Welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. My name is Roy Turner. We want to welcome you, you to the fourth and for now final edition of our Prince Tribute. Uh, joining me once again, back for more, uh, is my longtime friend, Mike DeQuinzio. Mike, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good, 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 good. Uh, thank you again so much for being here. We had such a great time last week. Yeah, we did. My pleasure. Uh, and Mike and I have been friends for uh, over 20 years. And again, one of the things that we bonded over, uh, besides metal, uh, was our mutual love of Prince. You don't you don't meet people that... that um, that herald uh, Slayer's reign in blood as much as they do uh, Prince's dirty mind. So uh, <laughs> a friendship was formed, and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm darn proud of that. So and I'm so glad that we're still uh, kicking ass <laughs> all these years later. It just sucks that we seem to be losing all these guys. Like speaking of Slayer, Jeff Hanneman. Yes, <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. We, we cried just as much then. Oh, so. uh, right, right, exactly for sure. Uh, as you heard at the beginning of the show, of course, my normal intro. Um, uh, has been changed for this is part four if you've been following along and i know that you have uh mike where can, where can they find you on social media by the way? i'm on the twitters as you like to call it right mike d rocks 74 mm-hmm. they can follow me there you know i don't have to follow i'm, I'm kind of boring sometimes there's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of mm, coffee yeah right <laughs> i'll have another cup <laughs> yeah dot 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 right i'm actually i, I say that but I, you know, i'm really not on the social media too much i have it i don't use it very often but hey right. give me give me a reason to well you know again you know whenever because you, you've you've toured with aerosmith and mm-hmm. you've done a lot of different musical stuff and so you know things like that it can be something that you almost have to do in order to kind of you know be able to stay in touch and stuff yeah but, yeah uh, uh, well, you know, I, I mentioned that because I, what I wanted to talk about, just so people were following along, again, this is part four. Um, I didn't want to overdo it. I know everybody's been kind of <laughs> inundated with with Prince tributes and eulogies, and I didn't want to exhaust people. But, gosh, we just had so much yeah. <laughs> that it ended up being – the reason why there's four parts, it ended up being a decade-by-decade decade thing. Uh, you know, you could, we could technically could, could count the 70s because, you know, but, uh, but, yeah. we, but we did the 80s. We did the 90s. We did the 2000s, and so now we're going to pick up from there, and we're going to do the 2010s to the present. And what you heard there in the beginning was a song from the first album that he released uh, of the new decade of the 2010s, and it was called 2010. Uh, now, we were talking talking earlier before we went on air. Uh, what were your impressions of that album when you first heard it? I didn't think it was a standout. It was all right. right. You know, I could listen to it, but it wasn't anything really particularly memorable except for that uh, everybody loves me song okay okay um and i haven't heard it in six years honestly okay. so <laughs> well, that i remembered that much is is really good but uh no I, i've i've listened to it really once all, all the way through well it had a unique release like we were talking about yeah it, it yeah. was released uh in london it was it was released around this unique thing that he was doing because if you remember he had booked 21 nights like like at the O2 Arena. If you remember, uh, Michael Jackson was working on doing 50 nights mm-hmm. a few years later, and that's what he was working on, because uh, always in competition. And right, I hate to always 
you know, seem to perpetuate that mm-hmm. in my, my speech. Uh, but Michael Jackson was trying to uh, top that. That's what he was working on uh, right before he passed. Uh, right. Ironically, one of the last times I was in London uh, was if you remember, Michael Jackson had a lot of those shows booked. And if you remember that they weren't ready yet and they pushed the dates back. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I actually, yeah. I actually had tickets to really? a Michael and who I never, who I never saw. I mean, and I still I never saw. Yeah. And I had tickets to, uh, to a Michael Jackson concert at the O2 and it was like the third or fourth night. And then when they moved the dates, like two months later to like, like July or something, I wasn't able to go. Right. So I never saw Michael Jackson, but uh, anyway, so um, the unique release for 2010 was that it came out, and I, th- I want to say like Mojo or what, whatever. One was, of those British magazines, right? Yeah. As a actual freebie, uh, and it was to promote the 21 nights that he did uh, in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a uh, there's some great stuff on. Like I said, the song that you heard at the beginning is a song called "Lay It Down," and uh, I, I like it specifically for one line where he says. Uh, from the heart of Minnesota, here comes the purple Yoda. <laughs> you know, so it's like even Prince loves Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of the one of the things we can all agree on. The original trilogy. All right. right. Yeah. Well, we're not going to get into that here yeah. now. But uh, anyway, okay. Uh, <clears throat> but I mentioned that because also there is a song on it that, you know, again, like I said, you mentioned it not being a standout. And what was funny is that he put out this album and did the 21 Nights in London. And I, and I remember looking at the set list. And uh, for each night, and I don't think he did hardly any songs from that album. He's all, you know, (laughs) when an album comes out, he's already to him. That's a year old, you know, Uh, but one of my favorite songs besides uh, what we opened with here with lay it down was a song called sticky like glue. Mm. And it is something about it. I don't know. It just gets me and I love it. Uh, So from the album 2010, uh, here's a song called Sticky Like Glue. And also, again, check out the opener, uh, the song called Lay It Down from the album 2010 to uh, to open uh, the current decade and unfortunately his uh, his last decade. Um, and so that's how we're going to open the show here. So, again, uh, from, from 2010, here's Prince with Sticky Like Glue. Good morning, how are 
listen to that album again yes <laughs> see I, I have not listened to it in six years like i said and even then it was like on the way to school right you know, sure in the sure. car so i need to give it another shot there's a lot of his stuff that i just kind of listen to once or twice and, and put on the shelf because there's so much other great stuff right right yeah. exactly well i mean but how would you you know how would you compare it to you know i know you're like a lot of people you know the 80s <laughs> stuff so how, how would you compare it uh i mean it doesn't have, there's no comparison to the 80s stuff that was just like greatness and, and the 90s too and um I was going to tell you before, like, you know, my fandom kind of waned a little in the 90s because right. at the time I was, what, what, 13, 14 years old? Right. Starting to listen to metal and stuff, and I wasn't mature enough to uh, to know that there was room for both. <laughs> so I skipped a lot of the 90s stuff and came back to it later. 
But uh, I was going to tell you, uh, I listened to part one, and you were talking about uh, uh, 1999 and that song Purple Music. Right, that sure. You said was the link to, it was a bridge from 1999 to Purple Rain. That's right. And I wanted to debate that, actually, because okay. I think it's more of a link from 1999 to Around the World of the Day. And if anything, it, it just shares, you know, it, it, the only link it has to Purple Rain is a name. Other than that, it really kind of shows what an outlier Purple Rain really was at okay. the time. I mean, because it's just such okay. a, I don't have a good word to describe it. It's, it's got this unsettling, uncomfortable sound to it where, you know, yes, yes. these chords laying over each other that shouldn't work, but they do. And that's it's right. like strange. So that's why I think it's more like around the world in the day than, uh, than well, Purple Rain. Well, here's, here's, here's where you're wrong. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 but here's, was here's, I wrong about Brie Tavares or whatever her name was or Valentine or <laughs> oh, right, you're Brie Valentine. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. You know, I, I got a few tweets about that as a matter of fact. Oh, nice. uh, and, uh, uh, no, but here's what I mean. Okay. So the, the word that you're looking for, mm. I, it's the closest thing I can think of. And this is what the press dubbed it was yeah. this, this cold, like cold war almost. Cause you know, yeah. too, but like the sound of 1999 is this coldness, mm-hmm. this kind of futuristic punk rock. Yeah. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. It's that 808 state drum machine, 808 um, drum machine. Okay. That land drum machine, you know, that thing think about it, like, you know, let's pretend we're married, automatic, you know, yeah, yeah. he's got the, the organ over that, that drum machine. And then, you know, don't need no reefer, don't need cocaine. Yeah. Purple music does the same to my brain and I'm high. So it's got the same sound of 1999. It is clearly a track that did not, that, that belonged, was written yeah. at the time he wrote during the 1999 sessions. Clearly, no mm-hmm. question. And like you said, it doesn't sound anything like Purple Rain and does not belong on that record. And the only, <laughs> thing, only thing that it would share would be the name. Right. I'm just saying that the term purple would be the first time that that it was entered. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait. I thought you meant like it was the next logical step or what? You know. Not at all. Okay. I'm about to say what happened. A U of all people should know that this not is nothing all. like not this. Not at all. And, re- and, and I do need to debate what you're saying about Around the World Today because Around the World Today was the first, was the thing that was designed to be a complete left turn yeah. and the opposite of Purple Rain. Right. So it would not, it would be even less of a link. Okay. You, mm-hmm. you understand? Um, Albert Magnoli is the guy that, that, uh, that direct, ended up directing Purple Rain. Okay. Right, right. And he, he'll, there's a story that he told uh, that I wanted to mention anyway. Is a, whenever it was handed to him to do, because nobody wanted to, to direct it because he wasn't that big of a star yet. They didn't right. really make any money. Uh, it went to some other guy and he happened to be going to school with that guy. And so it just, and he just, ha- he had some strong ideas and he was able to get those strong ideas in the hands of the right people and actually to present it to Prince. Yeah. Okay. Prince handed him a series of cassettes that told over 100 songs. Okay. <laughs> around that time. And you think about it like, Oh my God, what's on it? What were on those songs? Well, guess what? You've probably heard them. Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. Here's one. Think about what he had going on at the, mm-hmm. in around 83, 84, around the time of it, when that meeting probably took place. Right. Okay. He had the Apollonia record. Let's say that's 10. Okay. Let's say there's 10 for each one, just for fun. The Apollonia record, the, the, the Vanity record, mm-hmm. okay, two Time albums. Yeah. Okay. Sheila E. The, two Sheila E. records, okay. Uh, the Family, again, mm-hmm. where nothing compares to you. Right. Uh, I heard that Sinead O'Connor went missing today. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but she's been found. 
Oh no! <laughs> well, Sinead, we're we're happy regardless for you, darling. Uh, anyway, How long is her hair? Yeah. <laughs> and the Jill Jones record. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then um, probably was already working on the next one. That's like seventy or eighty songs right, right. there. Okay. So anyway, but but Albert said that there was there was no anthem. He needed an anthem for the movie. Okay. Yeah. And so he went to where they were rehearsing at at First Avenue there in Minneapolis, and that's when he heard Purple Rain for the first time. And he goes running down there and was like, you know, because I've heard all 100 songs. That's the song. That's it. That mm-hmm. that that's the song. And he goes, what is that? And he goes, oh. He goes, that's called. He goes, I just wrote, I just wrote that song with the band. It's called Purple Rain. <laughs> Think about that. And, because the movie didn't have a title yet. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. That, okay, that's a good point. Yeah. And so he said, "We should call the movie. Pur- we, that's what we should call the movie." And I think that he had the purple music in his in his head. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then he, you know, he wanted for, he had he had a theme for it. Obviously, purple rain and purple music sound nothing alike at all. <laughs> I'm just saying, but in terms of the thematics of it, yeah, shame trading experience for perspective. And I think he liked the title Purple. I, I, I read somewhere it was supposed to be the combination. Purple Rain is the combination of blood and tears or something. And if, okay. you, if you combine the colors of red and blue or whatever, yeah, it's it's purple. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, you would, <laughs> Art class, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Roy, Roy, uh, Roy G. Bibb, right? There you go. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, okay. So now that we're just kind of riffing on that, I just wanted – so the next thing I wanted to mention was, okay, was it around that time – where he did the 21 nights, what came out of that, if you remember, was that giant coffee table book mm-hmm. called 21 nights, which I had forgotten. I had until you mentioned it a little bit ago. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's actually in a box in my mother's house right now, <laughs> but I kept it on my tape, my coffee table, like it was supposed to. It's you a coffee dig table that bitch book. out. I know I do. But the reason I kept it on my coffee table so much other than it being a coffee table book is, you know, it's cool to be kind of a metal guy. And then people come over and say, Oh, you like Prince too. You know, and that's kind sure, of a sure. conversation piece. The book itself is not much of a book. It's more of a photography book, really. It is. It, it's, it's to document what that experience was like. Yeah. Because, because he had, he it's had, really cool. Though. Because he moved to London, and, yeah. and he sat at a hotel, but he had them take all the uh, all the furniture out <laughs> and bring in his own. And, you know, you right, call that yeah. some, some diva bitch shit. But, yeah. like, at the same time, it was, uh, you know, very, very Prince-like, you know. Did he really call – okay, I'm sorry. You just remind me of something. But when he was in France, did he call his assistant to come change his guitar strings from the U.S. or something like that? Uh, uh, you ever heard that story? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, well, I mean, with him, who knows? You know, but uh, uh, I don't – ask Kevin Smith. He seems to like to tell a bunch of tall tales about yeah. Prince. But I, uh, um, one one thing that is, that is not disputed about that was that um, – I'm trying to think of, of actually who, who it was he, he, he was dating somebody that was forget. And this was while they were filming under the cherry moon uh, and they flew together. And the minute that they landed, he told his manager, he goes, you got to take her home. <laughs> so the manager had just flown yeah. from like, you know, LA to the coast of France <laughs> and had to immediately get back on a flight and go back, drop her off and then get back on a flight <laughs> And then, and then the flight attendant recognized him. Yeah. Not Prince, but the thing he said, yeah, it was like, you were just on this <laughs> flight to France 40 hours ago. What, why are you, how, how are you back on this flight again? How did you, you, you know, anyway, um, but, uh, you need to dig that sucker out. I will. I okay. Will. Uh, if nothing else, there is a live disc. Okay. 
right. in the back of the book. Okay. Uh -huh. And there is some great, great, great greatness uh, on that. Because you know how he always how he likes to do the, the obviously the big show, mm -hmm. and then he'll show up and he'll do the after party, right? Yeah. Well, there was a club inside. There's a club inside the O2 arena called Indigo, the Indigo, whatever, mm -hmm. and it's the best from that, and it's called Indigo Nights, and there is some covers and just some crazy stuff. Nights, uh, and you're gonna and so check this out. Come on, come on. Upstroke, clap your hands. London knows how to party. Come on. This is my people right here. Kick drum. London knows how to party. See what, see what, see what. See what, see what, see what. You from Brazil, right? See what, see what, see what. Give me some salsa on the piano. Uh. See what, see what, see what. Come on, come on. Shelby, can somebody dance with me? I think so. Let me see. Let me. Let me see. I just need a few. Okay, okay. You know Ronaldo oh, got funky. I just need dance. a few. Come here, baby. Come Don't here, stop baby. It, baby. Keep it going, Nato. Yes, we do. I got to change my passport. Y'all too funky, I ain't going back home. Just my home right here, come on. No side, side. See, this my home. In the balcony, you ain't
All right, so I got a question for you. Okay. All right, so I told you last week I've been listening to Sirius, the, the tribute channel. Sure, sure. They've been playing a lot of these instrumentals that the titles are all numbers. And mm-hmm. at first I thought it was Rainbow Children because it's very jazzy sounding. Sure. But it's not. <laughs> so okay. what is it? Do you know what that is? I do. Okay. Right. Um, uh, he has long has had a jam band. Mm. Um, he's just jammed with Minneapolis. They're called Maserati. Okay? okay. And they've been around since, seriously, since the early 80s. Okay. And I think that they have like four records and kind of Chicago to each have the numbers, but each of the tracks are just like, like numbers. Well, names. Yeah. It's the full right. word. Yeah. Right. But the actual word, like I said, like the first album is called one and songs are called two, three, four, five, yeah. six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Here's something you may not know. Not all of them are, are instrumental. Okay? okay. There's a couple uh, here and there, very sporadic that have uh so, you know, a few words, a few little lines here, but here, check this out. This is where the song Kiss comes from. Okay, do you remember, I think I might have mentioned this in part one. Okay, one of these things, and I'll play it for you, is if you've heard, um, of course, the album Purple Rain, of mm-hmm. course, the actual song Computer Blue is about 10 to 12 minutes long. It mm-hmm. goes real long, and it makes more sense, because when you, when you hear that, Wendy, yes, Lisa, <laughs> Like, and you're wondering, like, what, what is that? Yeah. Well, when you hear the full 12-minute version, you're, you're like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's a full skip. Right. Well, he had written a song called uh, Take Me With You for the Apollonia record, and it was just so good. He was like, I'm, I'm keeping Keep that. Yeah. <laughs> and then he shortened Computer Blue and added Take Me With You. All right. Okay. Now, he had written Kiss for the Maserati Project. Okay. okay. And was like, this is the funkiest thing I've ever written. <laughs> now I don't know. I don't think there were. I don't think the lyrics were quite there. Right. But that that you know, yeah. you know, because think about Kiss. You've heard it a million times, okay? Mm-hmm. But think about this. Really think about this. It's unfathomable how funky it is. <laughs> Seriously, no, very true. You're right. You're right. No, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like it, it, it seems to come from a. It sounds cliche, but it seems to come. From a different planet. You know how they say that, that, that James Brown wrote music that, that was not even in it. They couldn't even actually write it on music charts because it was in. He was bending notes that didn't yeah. exist. And same thing with Miles Davis. What, you've heard Kiss for thirty years, and I know it, it may have somewhat you've gotten kind of immune to it. Mm. But when you look at the song structure of that song, it's it's unfathomable <laughs> how funky it is. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Okay, but so to answer your question, what you're hearing on that, and it's cool to play the Maserati tracks, is you're hearing Maserati, but that's where Kiss comes from. Okay. Is cool. that he stole it back, or I guess he didn't because he wrote it himself, but he he was like, guys, I think I'm going to keep this one. <laughs> and right, right around the time he was doing his, of course, the Parade Under the Cherry Moon project. Right. Um, okay, so now moving on. Uh, and before uh, we get into this next thing, we're going to have to go ahead and. Uh, in order to keep our lights on, we got to do our sponsors here. So uh, first and fo- foremost, I told you this last week, and I'll tell you again. If you need your house cleaned, I got the right one for you. Uh, oh, hey, did you know that he wrote? Okay, we were talking about songs to people that know the people he wrote. Yeah. And I didn't even, I, I did it on purpose. I didn't even do it on purpose. Remember, <laughs> remember the Pepsi commercial? You got the right one, yeah. baby. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ray Charles? Ray Charles, yeah. Okay. Prince Perfect. Didn't know it. I have a, I, I have a version. You know what? Tweet me if you guys, Tricky Kid number, uh, the number two, or on Facebook. If you want to hear 
Prince's original version of, of uh-huh <laughs> that was used by Ray Charles did for the Pepsi thing in the 80s. If you want to hear it and you've never heard Prince's version, tweet to me or write to me on Facebook and I will play it. I will so yet again, him and Michael Jackson competing. Oh, the Pepsi thing. Maybe, yeah. maybe, it's, maybe that's why he didn't do it. Because, oh. uh, meow, meow. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, okay, so uh, anyway, okay. So, but here's the deal. Mm. I told you you needed uh, at the right one, baby. Uh huh. The place to, to clean your house. It's called In the Nick of Grime. And if that name doesn't freaking sell you alone, <laughs> it does. Uh, then uh, I'm here to tell you. <laughs> uh, the In the Nick of Grime. What you're going to want to do is, is whenever you're ready. Uh, I mean, they're licensed and bonded. And what you're going to want to do is, is you're going to want to call Ashley Stone. Their whole operation is licensed and bonded. It's affordable. So if you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to call Ashley Stone. She is, uh, again, the in the nick of grime, which is just the most, the coolest, most ridiculous name I think I've ever heard in my entire life. So I would like to be able to tell people, hey, your house is clean. Oh, yeah? How's it so clean? I called Ashley in the nick of grime. Her number is 214-893-4491. So, Mike, for all your cleaning needs, in the nick of grime. Mm-hmm. Call Ashley Stone. Her number, again, is 214-893-4491. You can go to Facebook to end the nick of grime, and I think you might be able to get a hold of her there as well. Anyway, great stuff. Again, and I've been talking about this for weeks, weeks, weeks. This is the final week, my friend. <laughs> On Saturday, I leave for Los Angeles to do what? To go to that uh, glow thing. Right. What what glow thing are we talking about? <laughs> uh, that's the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. <laughs> the Cruise, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. correct. Okay. I'll be doing this very show, Tricky Kid Radio, live on board. Mm-hmm. Two different glow girls every single day. All the original glow girls. Matilda the Hunt, Roxy Astor, Sunny the California Girl, Grimalina. And then on the final day, me and the girl that wrestled under the name MTV, please don't sue us, uh, <laughs> are going to have the most... Freaking crazy '80s disco of them all. I'm even gonna. Do, I've even got this whole skit I'm doing where it's gonna be a parody of Van Halen's Last Weekend. Remember the MTV Last Weekend? Yeah, yeah, actually I do. Uh, and uh, we're gonna do this whole giveaway thing, and I'm gonna have this guy wearing like my actual Van Halen T-shirt, <laughs> going, thinking, thinking that he's won, but he got he got he went the wrong way, and right. he wound up with us. When do I get to meet the band, man? You know, but I, I'm giving it away. Uh, you need to book uh, your room now. They're going very, very quickly. This is your last week. Go to go see travel or afterglow at sea.com. Mention Tricky Kid. You're going to get a discount. You're going to get some onboard spinning cash. You're going to get to join me and all the original Glow Girls for the Afterglow fan cruise. Uh, we are having a Bon Voyage party there in Long Beach, California on May 21st. That's this Saturday at, at the Queen Mary, which is a ship that's been turned into a hotel. So even if you're in Long Beach, come or in L.A., come party with us, man. We're going to have a good time uh, this coming Saturday, May 21st, and then we depart May 22nd. Book your room now using the code TRICKYKID and join us for the Afterglow fan cruise at Afterglow. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, AfterglowAtSea.com. And more information can be found also at our website at TRICKYKID.com. That's www.tricky-kid.com. And last but not least, speaking of wrestling, Holy crap, I told you this last week. <laughs> Guess who's making their commentary debut? Sinead O'Connor. 
Uh, no, uh, she she made that on Saturday Night Live <laughs> a few years ago. Well, then my next guess is you. Yes, right. uh, I won't be making any sort of anti-Catholic uh, 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 statements, but I will be making some anti-jobber um, uh, statements. If you, if, you, if you know wrestling, you know what a jobber is. But no, in all seriousness, uh, it's going down, man. Again, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, out, right outside of Fort Worth in a town called Crowley, where I went to high school, actually. It's um, beautiful this time of year. Oh, yeah. You yeah, love it. Yeah, Crowley, yeah. May 29th, the Atomic Drop. Come join us. Uh, go to IHWEWrestling.com. Tickets start $10, man. Mm. Uh, you also can get ringside for $20. I'm going to be there. Again, making my commentary debut, getting my Jesse Ventura, Bobby <laughs> the Brain on. Uh, dating myself with those references, but uh, but no, it's going to be a great time. It's going to we're going there's going to be an afternoon event that, that's just for veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's free to all veterans, and we want to show our appreciation for all that all, for all that they do. And uh, we're excited to, to to have all of you. So uh, show up in, in in uniform or show up in whatever. Just just show up and come join us. We're gonna have a good time, and then that evening, of course, we're gonna have uh, the big IHWE. Atomic drop, um, big big news and big 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 fun. So come join us again. Uh, you can get tickets at our website also at www.tricky-kid.com. Um, <laughs> so I gotta plead ignorance on some of the stuff in the in the last decade. I'm, I'm it's my uh, least informed decade as far as Prince goes. Well, this is what we're here to do. We're here That's to, right. We're, we're, educate. Here, we're here to educate. We're here to educate to inform. Okay. Well. I have uh, quite a few stories from well, that. Good, right. okay. <laughs> I'm glad you do. It'll fill space. Uh, well, I uh, uh, fill space. <laughs> that we're, that we're trying to after Coachella was. Remember how speaking of metal, our yeah. duality here when they were doing uh, the Big Four concert with, right. with Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax that had never happened before, and they had done a series of, of shows at festivals in Europe the previous summer. Mm-hmm. So it was now, uh, uh, you know, I guess North America's turn. And they decided to only do two shows. Right. Uh, one, and at this point, at this time, only one show was announced. Um, I was still living in New York, so I ended up obviously going to the Yankee Stadium gig as well. They did two shows. One basically at Coachella, mm-hmm. um, not the actual Coachella Festival, but the site, the, the Empire, site, yeah. the Empire Polo Fields there in India, and then later on um, that summer at the uh, Yankee Stadium. And I was grateful and thankful to be at both gigs. So, but to start that insanely crazy week after I had been to the Coachella Festival, I was in LA for about a month. And like just a few days, like the only reason why like I didn't see uh he was doing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but that first week I went, it was actually a Thursday and a Friday show. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why I didn't go Saturday was because I was going to the big four. <laughs> Imagine having that dilemma. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And the way that I looked at it was I was going to be in LA for almost that entire, uh, on, on purpose. I, I probably could have left about a week earlier. Uh, but I wanted to see Prince as many times as I could. And I ended up seeing a lot of shows. <laughs> And none of them were the same, I'm sure. Uh, no, there was there was kind of a base set list that he would that he would uh, use, believe yeah. it or not, for the first time. Uh, but it was very, very, very unique. And then what was cool about it, and again, like I said, I uh, I need to disclaim that all of this is documented in great detail in chronological order 
on my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, of course, at trickykid.com, T-R-I-C-K-Y hyphen K-I-D.com. Just Google Prince 21 Nights LA. It'll come up. And uh, so I don't want to repeat myself from there, but if you want to see pictures and, and tell some more extended stories, you can see all of that there. Uh, but for here, what I wanted to talk about about it was what made it so unique was that, okay, I'm not made of freaking dough. <laughs> and, you know, most concerts, especially big names like Prince, are very, very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, something happened, and I'm not saying that this was cool or right, but it, I, it was certainly something that allowed me to take full advantage. I was planning on going and hopefully trying to catch more than one show. I would have been happy with one. Yeah. Okay. And I bought tickets to two nights and the tickets were about weren't, you know, since he was playing in the round, there really wasn't a bad seat in the house. This is where, where you know, before the Lakers moved to the Staples Center, okay. this is where, um, you know, the Lakers used to play. Yeah. When they say, you know, rocking to the beat of the fabulous forum, you know, this was, this was the, this was the forum in LA, the, right. the round building there. And, uh, I bought, Two tickets. Me, my, my then girlfriend went and uh, for two nights, and they were about a hundred bucks for a pair. Okay, and but they weren't great seats. Uh, again, he was in the round there, and there were like these like awesome seats that were because because the actual stage was that love symbol. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. And there was this great, you know, these great seats are right there on the stage. But then you had just you know the lower bowl, mm-hmm. and well, anyway. I had gotten I, – I can't believe like, – I can't remember actually who tipped me off. But you're not going to freaking believe this. But how I was able to go to so many shows mm-hmm. was because a guy – I think I read it on Prince.org or something. Give a shout out to them. Was that said that instead of buying tickets from a scalper or buying them from Ticketmaster, on the day of the show, if you have the, the ability just to go to the window, okay, because he – not that he couldn't fill 21 nights, but there were some nights where like, you know, how sometimes like at Verizon theater here in Dallas, how they'll, they'll close off yeah. the top section. They had done that for a section called the colonnade area. Right. They pull the curtain around. Oh, uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. And it said, go to, just go up to the, the, the box office and see what's there. And you weren't going to freaking believe this when I tell you this, I was able to buy tickets for $20 mm. that were in the first three rows of the bowl, not on the really? floor. Right. Okay. Just about it, but, but he, there were times where he would come because he, he worked the entire stage yeah. and there were times where he was literally right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And there, and I felt so bad because there were some people actually, I remember one, one gig in particular. Um, there was a, it was one of the nights where I was there and there was a girl sitting behind me, maybe even a couple, who had come all the way from Australia. Wow. And they had bought some kind of like remember like that whole fiasco with when, when Crystal Ball was finally released and people had paid all this money and like they didn't get it for like a year later. <laughs> and people were like they were getting it after it was available in stores yeah, for a yeah. much lower price. It was like a total fiasco. And um, but they had paid like these like like these like package that was gonna guarantee them like like a, a ticket in the first three rows and maybe like a shirt or something. And they were like seven and $800. And I wow. walked up and paid $20. <laughs> and I was like, <clears throat> I wonder how long I can keep this up for. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I just kept doing it. How many shows do you actually see? I think eight total. Wow. <laughs> okay. What I document, uh, well, here, here are a couple of things. 
Now, when he announced 21 nights, he never said they were all going to be at the forum. Okay? <laughs> uh, he, out of what, what would count for the total of 21 nights, he ended up doing a gig at the Troubadour. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, I was at that. Uh, he did a gig at at, uh, at the House of Blues there, rather on the Sunset Strip. And since I've I have a long um, uh, relationship with, with with that venue and 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 the staff there, and I want to give a shout out to Melanie for getting me into that show. By the way, so Melanie House of Blues Sunset Strip, of course, Sunset the, the House of Blues Sunset Strip isn't even there anymore, mm-hmm. but but still, darling, I thank you very much for that. It was one of the greatest times of my life. But I uh, uh, and then there was actually. Um, I his his DJ Rashida, um, I can't claim that I know her, right. but I have done gigs. You know, I'm also a professional DJ, and I passed her after one of the gigs, and I didn't know this, but much like again, like in London with the Indigo Nights, there was like a nightclub or something there inside the the forum, and apparently I had missed like three or four gigs. If you go to my website, you can see this, and I'll show it to you here in a second. There's like an awning. I had no idea because I'd already been to like three or four gigs <laughs> at the forum. And apparently they had been doing after shows gigs there. And I didn't know it. <laughs> wow. And I happened to pass her uh, as I was leaving. And I said, hey, how's it going? You know, I, you know, how are you? And all this sort of thing. And again, we don't really know each other. And <clears throat> I probably was thinking like, who, who is this guy? Yeah, right. And she goes, hey, are you coming to the after party? And I said, uh, Where? I guess you know the whole thing about you have to you know find it. Yeah, where yeah. is it? Well, apparently during that run, uh, other than uh, because the Troubadour and the the, uh, the House of Blues gigs weren't after parties. Th- those were actual. They were they were part of the twenty one nights. Right. Okay. Now I should mention that after the gig at House of Blues, he did two more shows at House of Blues that same night. You know, House of Blues has like the main room and they have like the Cambridge room yeah. and then the foundation room. He played shows in all three. Nice. I only got to go to the main room one. I didn't, yeah. get, I didn't get to go to the other two. Okay. Anyway, um, but I did get to go to that after party there thanks to Rashida. So I want, want, wanted to thank her as well nice. uh, for, for helping me out here. I will show you here in a second on, on the website. There's this, there's this big awning that had the, the symbol and in purple and everything else. <laughs> and one of the coolest nights of my life. And, and, uh, and what was crazy was you never knew how long it was going to go for those gigs. Right. And, and, and again, and like you said, I bet they were all different to keep it interesting because we talked about this before. You know that all bets are off. He really had no new album, really. I guess you could say 2010, uh, even though that, because this is now 2011. Right. It was a year old, really, to support. Okay? Right. Um, but, you know, even if he did, so what? Yeah. It's like yeah. anything goes. <laughs> now, I would say, and if you look at it, because I, I listen to all the set lists, he had this thing where he was doing, like, these, like, five covers that he was kind of keeping in the set. And then there were, like, this other section where he, you could pretty much predict three or four of these songs. And then he had this one section where he would go over to this purple piano mm-hmm. that had samples on it that were playing recordings of his actual songs. And he would use that because, because of his faith, he won't do a lot of the nasty stuff anymore. Right. Right. But so he would do that to play, have fun. Like he would do like a couple of bars of do me, like he hit a button and you'd be hearing a recording of do me baby, or maybe even darling Nikki. And he'd cut it off and he'd say something like, I can't play that. Somebody will get pregnant. You know, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. having fun that. with it, right? Yeah. Okay. So there was that section. So that part was the same. 
But we had heard, because I didn't get to go, because he had just started it the week prior. Mm-hmm. And he had done like five encores of like five songs each. And it was just some crazy. He was doing like Billy Straubham covers and like, <laughs> and, and, uh, and you know, all, all his influences and stuff, whatever. Uh, but one of the things that I, I wanted to mention was, uh, and I thought about playing this song during the 2000, the 2000 section, was that one of the nights, you know how much I love Gra- Graffiti Bridge? Yeah. One of the nights he actually opens with joy and repetition. Now we we mentioned the uh, the uh, the it ain't over CD which he actually do on there, but one of the things that was so crazy is that in the two thousands he had two internet albums uh, that he came out with the same year in two thousand and four the same year as Musicology. Mm-hmm. One was called The Chocolate Invasion and one was called Slaughterhouse. And on the album The Chocolate Invasion is a song called When I Lay My Hands on You, which is one of his best songs you've ever heard in really? your life. It is. If there was some type of the best ten Prince songs you never heard, this would have to be on it. And it, like, like you said, it's like all bets are off. Like you know, you know, even if he was on tour, you never know what you're going to get, right, right? Okay. Right. And so I think it was like the third or fourth night, whatever. He opens with "When I Lay My Hands on You," and it was just unbelievable that this was even happening. And he was doing this kind of this. This dance, this almost like trance-like dance, and he did it with the house lights still on. Like mm. it was almost like, has the show? Is this starting? <laughs> it was the coolest, neatest because the song isn't a up-tempo song as you're about to hear. Right. So I wanted to mention that, and when we come back, I'm going to tell you about some of the things that you probably have heard about that tour, and give you a couple little bit twist on it. But this is, again, you know, not what 2010s, but. For the 2004 internet-only album, uh, The Chocolate Invasion, this is a song called When I Lay My Hands Upon You. Holy effing S. The message you're about to hear is not meant for transmission. Should only be accessed in the privacy of your mind. Words are intense, so my dear, if you dare to listen, take off your clothes, meet me between the lines. Touch that'll make you go insane. The rest of the list 
how ambivalent he was about his hits. I mean, we, yeah. we, we talked about, uh, you know, the rainbow children and one night alone where he was like, this is 1986. You're in the wrong place. Yeah. Cause you know, there's still a contingent of people that, that want and need that purple rain moment where they're yeah. doing, whether they're, they're, they're doing the thing from the movie, whether swing. <laughs> and that's cool. But yeah. it, that, I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm kind of one of them. You know, it's, it's kind so, of a casual thing. Yeah. And, and he had no qualm. We're talking the ticker tape with the purple confetti and the, you know, and the swing, you know, you know, but yeah. sometimes he would, he would do it early and sometimes he would, and sometimes he would do this for like another hour. Like, I mean, sometimes it would be like three or four, sometimes even five encores. How many people were left when this came out? Okay. That was a good question because <laughs> there were times where you would think people would pick up on it, mm-hmm. but if that place that holds, let's say 12,000, 13,000 people, yeah. I swear to God, there was one night where there was a thousand people there. And it, you know, by the time he actually was done, it had no idea. Wow. You know, uh, and I can't even begin uh, to explain to you like some, like it was so special and it was so wonderful. And, um, and like I said, there was a kind of a core thing there, but he would play around with it, mm-hmm. you know, and I was very, very fortunate to, to be there for, for, for some special nights. There was a couple of things I mentioned. He would, um, I guess, you know, since it's L.A., there's going to be a large con- con- contingent of celebrities mm-hmm. that are going to that live in L.A. They're going to want to see Prince. Well, how do we accommodate them and, and all their needs and that also to make it practical so they also they can enjoy it? Right. Well, he would have all of them like in these little almost like cocktail tables on the floor by the stage. And then at some point during the show, he would in, he would just kind of open the gate, as it were, and he would invite them all up. Right. Uh, I said one night I was there with uh, with Gwen Stefani, who he did, you know, he he did that um, a No Doubt song. He, yeah, he, he was, was No Doubt song plus the one that was on the, the breadwinner in that. Gotcha. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, and brought them up on stage. But if you may remember. This made headlines, of course, because who it was. But what, but you probably remember that thing mm. where he, I guess, he had invited uh, Kim Kardashian. Who? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, right. In the, <laughs> in the same fashion, I guess one night. And keep in mind, this is also six years ago. So I mean, I'm not right. saying the Kardashians weren't big news in because it made national news, but they're not. They're not the juggernaut that they are right. now. But it still made made a big deal. On my stage, you're going to get down, and if yeah. you don't, I will kick your ass off of it. As if you were anybody else. Mm-hmm. And she gets up there. You know the story, right? I know the story. I haven't watched the video yet. Okay. Though, but, yeah. And she preens and poses and everything else. Uh, and finally he was like, you ain't funky at all. And, and literally, <laughs> when I say kick, he literally is like, time to go, babe. <laughs> and sends her packing. That's awesome. And I will say this. Uh, I know that this gentleman is everywhere. Um but you know, Dave Grohl is a known 
Prince fan. He's a fan of everything. Yeah. Like, he, he just loves music. Well, and he's the one guy, you know, I got to say just a little side note. I'm not a Foo Fighters fan. I don't dislike him. I'm just not a fan. Right. But Dave Grohl is one of those guys I would love to have a drink with and just sure. hang out with. He sure. just seems so cool. That's right. Like, yeah. Like throw this guy a parade. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's so funny because I was, you know, we had the Melvins on a couple weeks ago. And right. Of course, you know, I adore and worship. The, uh, actually covered Darling Nikki on, it was like a, like a B-side years ago. Really? Yeah, and so if you uh, and, and which kind of brings me to, to to one of the next things I wanted to talk about was that when he did the Super Bowl halftime show, the reason why, if you remember, when he did that medley, he did the Foo Fighters' yeah. best, best of, of you. you. That's right, and that was kind of a of a return, to, like, yeah. hey, you covered mine. I. I'm gonna cover. I'm gonna cover one of yours. Almost <laughs> instead of being like a nod or an homage, like appreciate you. Yeah. It was more like a challenge, and that was that. And that <laughs> throw down the gauntlet. Yeah. And that's and that's him. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't he doesn't allow. There's a reason why you don't see very many covers of his recorded stuff. So you know, for him to allow that to happen, it was like it was more like I see you. I yeah. see what's going on here. You know. <laughs> I have to look that up. Well, I mentioned that because I thought it was cool that one of the nights that I was there, Dave Grohl was sitting in front of me. Okay. Nice. And and so instead of opting for one of the celebrity tables on the floor, mm-hmm. okay, uh, he was like, no thanks. He wanted to be in the part of the, the action. And he was yeah. right there. He sat right in front of me. You nice. know, and and, uh, and again, like I said, I can't claim to know Dave Grohl, but I uh, we have mutual friends and stuff like Dave Catching and, and everything else. And uh, but I did speak with him that night, and uh, and you know, and, and we kind of you know geeked out. And he was <coughs> he was there as a fan. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so freaking cool. Yeah, um, it's a way to do it though. But 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 something happened, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later. But I'm going to end this section, this portion with this was that uh, you know everybody has their favorite takes a beating in the Prince community, but <laughs> I've only seen like five or six times because yeah. because again I want like. If if this song I'm about to talk about came on the radio, I have to choose when I hear that song. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that is that is that too is that too over the top? It, it's coming from you. It makes total sense. Right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, anyway, well, there's there's a song off my favorite Prince album called uh, the soundtrack to Under the Cherry Moon Parade, and it was a single. Mm-hmm. It was a song called Mountains. Right. Kind of a forgotten single too. I, somewhat for sure. And it's one of those things where at that point, let's say I'd seen like Prince like eight times like that month. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is 2011. So from 96 to 2011, I probably had seen another dozen shows, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you have your little wish list, mm-hmm. the one song that you're just hoping to hear, whatever. And again, if I had, if I was, I could not even begin to try to exaggerate what that song means to me mm-hmm. and how it frames it all perfectly for me, a specific time, but for all time, yeah. all times. And if you ever seen under the cherry moon, when the credits are rolling and it's kind of the video and he's sitting on this, on this carpet. And that's kind of how I kind of envisioned how this tribute uh, uh, at least for now is going to end. So we'll get to that here in a second, but I just wanted to mention that on the final night, uh, he played Meta. It, it, it was actually playing. I, I just couldn't believe it. it was actually doing it. Right. You know. Well, you were telling me this last week too, and I was surprised because we've actually never had this conversation before. But that song was always one of my favorites too. Sure. And it was sure. definitely on my wish list. Probably, you know, the one I want to hear the most because yeah, it was kind of forgotten. It yeah. had the video, 
and, and because of Kiss, because well, of Kiss. yeah, it was on the same album as Kiss, and Kiss right. just way overshadowed it. That's right. I mean, that's just obviously, but yeah, it was to the point where like I, I saw the video once or twice, and then it just never happened again. And I was like, did I dream that? I mean, like I, <laughs> I never saw it again, you know, until right. years later, you know. But yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite ones, and it just never took off the way other Prince singles did. Sure, for him to be mountains uh, again, and for it to be the last night, and really? the last, and and uh, and. You know, and I was leaving the next day. I, I can't even explain to you how much that meant to me. Uh, he actually was coming out with an album. Like I said, I, I was going to mention this was you could think he had an album to support, but that that tour or the Twenty One Nights was called Welcome to America. That was supposed to have a album of the same title mm-hmm. and a song called Welcome to America. Uh, and so the, another unreleased project that never got released. Uh, I had them and he just shelved it. Uh, so <laughs> Prince is known to do sometimes. That, that's right. Uh, and that, that, that's what's so horrible. That is that whole thing. Um, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later, but anyway, okay. Uh, so since we're talking about, so this is actually a, uh, a live recording of welcome to America. Uh, this is actually is not from the 21 nights. However, um, just a few months prior, he had done some shows on the, on, on the, um, on the, on the East Coast, whenever I was still living in New York. So this is actually from is from uh, Madison Square Garden, and also to clarify, that's actually where the uh, when when he kicked uh, Kim Kardashian off the stage, uh, it was actually in New York. It actually wasn't just just to clarify that. But anyway, this is a uh, the only version I've ever I've ever heard, and um, from this show uh, was, uh, was welcome to America. Again, supposed to be uh, a whole album around that. I, I don't know what, what became of that or what else was supposed to be on it, but, uh, it's just kind of more of a kind of a, um, of a, of a very, very political, almost kind of spoken lyrical type kind of thing. But anyway, here's a snapshot of that. This is welcome to America.
still a lot to learn about race relations if you're in the mood for drama. In between 911, Hurricane Katrina, and the election of Barack Obama. Welcome to America. Live era. The, the the next thing I wanted to talk about was the last time that I saw Prince mm-hmm. um, was in 2013 at the South by Southwest Festival. Now, here's a story I don't think I've ever told you. Okay. Uh, I think I might have. I know I've told Tim some friends of ours, but I uh, some people on Twitter were had asked me to tell this story, and, <laughs> okay. and even South by Southwest. So this is for you guys, okay? So I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna get relaxed for this one here, okay? <laughs> Well, okay. A little bit of backstory, just a little bit. This is 2013. South by Southwest, uh, I have worked in the music industry in some capacity since pretty much since 1997. Okay. Uh, and it has grown from being a thing where young unsigned bands go to be discovered to being this pissing contest between major corporations. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not too bad mouth prints in any sort of way, but that's really, really what it's become. Okay. Uh, and the reason why you need to know that is because this won't make any sense when I tell you this. Uh, I don't think it's open anymore, but down at the end of Sixth Street, where the old Austin Music Hall used to be, across the street is, you know, kind of a larger venue. When I say larger, I mean it's like larger than Emo's. Uh, <laughs> and it was called La Zona Rosa. So to give you an idea about capacity, it would hold about eh, about 1,500 people, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, it, it, low ceiling, very club-like. But again, like I said, compared to the, you know, four, three or 400 that Emo's could hold, whatever. Uh, anyway, and, and it had a prestige to it, this club. I don't know why. Like, I mean, there was a lot of, like, if, if you know, the, the more of the prestigious acts would play there. Okay. Well, again, this was a particular, like, 
South by Southwest pissing contest because I'm not kidding. The town was hemorrhaging with activity and traffic. Also during spring break, of course. Yeah. But you had like Justin Timberlake was coming out with his his suit and tie album. What's that called? Whatever. I think that's it. Suit and tie. Yeah. yeah. And he was doing it for Mike. So MySpace was jerking him off down the road. This is the same, all the same night on the same street. The Smashing Pumpkins were doing something corporate and it was some return for them. P Diddy was over at the power plant. I think Jay-Z was doing something. And if you can believe it, Prince was doing a club date <laughs> there. Nice. Now I've been fortunate enough to go to a lot of, to, to quite a few of the, uh, you know, the after show stuff. But again, like I said, it's just an after show, uh, which is no, not to dismiss that. But again, you know, it's just kind of a jam thing. But now this is the, like the actual performance is happening. Okay. Each one of these gigs I've mentioned before are all sponsored by some major corporation guy. And, and oh yeah, we've got the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh yeah, we've got P Diddy. Well, Samsung's, you know, flipped both birds and <laughs> said, we've got Prince. And not only do we have Prince, but we have a reunited, a tribe called Quest. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm a massive hip-hop fan. Uh, anybody knows me knows to spend five minutes with me. I'm, I quote tribe lyrics like scripture. Okay. And somebody else that we lost that, you know, I've already, we've already done our, our tribute, but I, I would be remiss not to mention that. Uh, that Five Dog from a tribe called Quest, whose humor, humility, and just spirit has guided me since high school. So uh, it's another major blow uh, this year. But so I mean, so but I mean, I mean, like get the f out of here. I mean, like a tribe called Quest and Prince. Because <laughs> you create the set, <laughs> right? Because Tribe hadn't played in a long time. I mean, I mean, Tribe could have could have made that place a madhouse by themselves. Right. Well. Here's how you had to get into that show. You had to have bought the the latest Samsung Galaxy phone. It was like six hundred dollars. I'm not kidding. It was like, like six hundred dollars. And these were, of course, uh, you know, sans the invited guest, you know. But if you weren't uh, a cast member of the Wire, and I mention that because whenever I was standing there, most of the entire cast of the show, the Wire, was standing next to me. Uh, I heard a member of the wire got arrested today for assaulting a Bernie Sanders supporter, by the way. Did you hear about that? Uh, only when you told me. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so, hey, serves you right. Anyway, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> anyway um, so you had, and that was your ticket, was that by buying the phone, and then after buying the phone, then you had to enter some kind of a lottery. And then and to make sure there's no fake wristbands or nothing, then they sent you the thing on your phone. And then you had to have that special code scanned from that actual phone. There was no way you were going to get around this one. Right. <laughs> That's tighter security than like you know, the country has. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Then, then getting on a plane. Yeah. Right. Guess whose will to see Prince and tribe in a club superseded that that would be you that would be more <laughs> okay and i am not ashamed to tell you that i got into that show and not because i'm connected and i know somebody or i palmed somebody 50 bucks or whatever mm-hmm. it was my will that got into that show 
And uh, and so the story is basically this. I'm, I'm going to kind of cut to the chase here. So basically what happened was I knew there was no way I was, get, I was getting in via Samsung Galaxy. And here's something else. Because of Prince, because I, if I was, because I am, for connections, I have been known to just walk around back of La Zona Rosa. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just walk in and they kind of know me a little bit, whatever for you know for shows that are not prints <laughs> at a club. And anyway, uh, so you couldn't even get back there. They had the whole perimeter like sealed. Sealed. Yeah. I was literally a half a block away. I was looking at climbing fences, <laughs> all this kinds of crap. On the opposite side of the building, I saw this little mousy little redhead dude that I was talking to through a fence about 40 yards apart. <laughs> and I was saying, dude, what do I have to do? And he goes, no, I can't help you. I'm just here guarding the door. I'm not even going in. Like, like I, I can't let you in this door, but I, I, I can't even go to that door. You know, I just got to stop you from trying. And I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. And I wanted to say good luck with that buddy. Cause I would have, yeah throttled his my three sons looking ass in like about two <laughs> shakes of a lamb's tail. But anyway, uh, I regress. Digress. Thank you. Okay. So here's basically what I did. Okay. I didn't want to suffer any humiliation. I wasn't going to, you know, I might not even, I might not even have an iPhone at the end. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, but uh, so what I did was, is that there was a delivery truck that was delivering, I guess, the evening's booze. Have I told you this story before? Oh, okay. so. And so the guy that's delivering the beer, you know, he's got, he's bringing in the carts or whatever and blah, blah, blah. I, whenever they were making, they were like, kind of like waving that part in. Mm-hmm. I tried to literally just go in through the gates of that. Totally got called out. Totally said, you know, whatever. But the guy was confused. He called somebody over and I saw an opening. And I don't mind telling you that I jumped a fence and hid behind a beer truck. I'm not kidding. This is, this is like, (laughs) this is whatever. Okay. Yeah. I hid behind a beer truck. And when this guy kept coming out with a dolly and loading stuff, whenever he went in like three or four times, I got my nerve up. And when he went, I just walked right in behind him and I walked right on in. I didn't know where I was. I didn't even know I could, could even get access because I was like kind of like in a kitchen kind of thing. Yeah. But I'd been there before with some other bands. So I kind of knew kind of where the dressing room was. And I found myself coming out where kind of like where the photo pit would be. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, that's where I actually was probably going to get busted the most. And actually not outside of any of what was inside. Right, right. He had security all over the place. I found myself walking out into a photo pit where the merch booth would have been. I took a sharp right, darted out, went to the back of the venue and tried to blend in. And that's where I recognized the people. Insane covers. He was doing stuff like from like, do you know the new power generation albums that are, that are just called MPG? Like, I know of them. I don't right, ever heard of them. Like, uh, like gold and Exodus and all that kind of stuff. No, it, dude, it was nuts. It was crazy. Um, and so I mentioned that because that was the last time that I saw Prince. And I certainly didn't think or, or would ever think that that would be the last time that I would ever see Prince. I guess right. you don't, you don't anticipate that with anybody, but, but certainly not him. Right. You know, 
so that was so that was the, the the very very last time uh, that I saw him perform, and and that's uh, and that's that's a sad thing to think about, you know, and, and that's 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 something that I have, I've been really having a hard time coming to grips with, you know, because he was so still alive. Because it was 2013. Well, guess what? Yeah. Next year, 2014, he releases two albums, <laughs> not one but two: Artificial Age and Plectrum Electrum. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, did you see the new girl episode that he did? You know, I, I only watched that show kind of sporadically. I didn't know he was on an episode until I read about it after he died. I liked the show a lot. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I, yeah. And I haven't had a chance to really look at it and, uh, and look, well, look it up, I should say, and watch it. It's but I will. It's a good episode because it, cause he's, he's, he's very, he's very, uh, he's very hands on. Yeah. I, I was reading the, uh, the director, yeah. uh, her blog or whatever about it. Well, you know, we mentioned Kardashian, Kim Kardashian earlier. One thing that, that, that you may not know about that episode was that, uh, first of all, what makes it such a great episode was kind of like in Purple Rain, he's this mysterious figure, okay? But in Under the Cherry Moon, he was kind of, you know, kind of still mysterious, but he, he had a lot of dialogue, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, and even Graffiti Bridge was just much more abstract, but he was Prince. He was He was just like this person. He was talking. He was saying dialogue he was you know having he was blocking scenes you know what i'm saying yeah, like, yeah. like you kind of it really humanized him mm-hmm. you know uh but he was still managed to maintain that irresistible shroud of but he was just like uh he, he's talking here yeah now i watched that show because i am in love with zoe Deschanel and and uh i forget the uh, her friend on the show what her actual name is but um and I watch it when I can, but obviously I watched it whenever Prince was on. And but here's the Kardashian thing was that apparently, uh, without any giving any spoilers for those who haven't seen it, there is a party scene, uh, and apparently I guess they, the producers had had, had a thing where they had filmed a party scene where, I guess Kim and maybe even her sisters I don't know were all there at the party, and. And Prince, because he's Prince and he can do this, you know, like when somebody invites you on to your, their show, you don't start telling them what's what. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're going, okay, I want the chairs over here, blah, blah, blah. But if you're Prince, you can do that. And he did that. Yep, that's what I read. And uh, and he said no. And he actually got – so he is very anti-Kardashian. He's anti that culture, anti that image, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that's, that's hard not to respect and not hard to, it's, that's not hard to get behind. Right. Um, but the episode is so freaking cool, man. Uh, and cause again, cause it humanizes him, of course, you know, what's he going to do play a role of somebody else? He's Prince, but he did, uh, I think he did, uh, play funk and uh, funk and roll. I think was a song that he did on that. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so from, uh, Plectrum Electrum. Is so funky, is artificial. It? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't, I haven't really heard these albums too much. I, I they're still on my two buy list. Well, well, artificial age was his solo record, but he, right. had, he had just got a new, yet another new band called Third Eye, Third Eye Girl, right? And there's these these badass chicks from L.A. One's this, this amazing guitar player. She has like the side of her head shaved, and it's this bananas drummer, and <laughs> uh, and this great bass player just kind of holding it down. Well, I heard that was the better of the two albums too. Uh, yeah. I think I think for, for your taste, I, I think it was something something that you, you would like more. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, and so uh, I'm gonna play something off that right now uh, that is just too funky. That's pretty funky. Yes. <laughs> I need to go get. 
been on my list for a long time i just since people kind of told me it wasn't the best i kind of put on the back burner well whoever told you that it wasn't me i don't have my friends anymore and i know you, yeah, <laughs> and you need to believe them from your uh whatever's right uh you know no it's a it's a great and, that, and that's what i'm saying man it was like he wasn't 90 he hadn't played live in 20 years yeah he hadn't uh it wasn't sinatra know, yeah right, right or he hadn't put out an album you know, he had put out four albums in the last 18 months of mm-hmm. his life at that age again uh the Plectrum Electrum with Third Eye Girl and the Artificial Age, and then two records six months back to back. And 
Well, go sorry. How about you? <laughs> hit and run phase one and two. Right. And I was going to say, uh, right before phase one came out, I think Stare, the single Stare was released yeah, right, right. on Spotify. Yeah. And, okay, what I just said before about uh, hearing that artificial age wasn't really, you know, up to par, really. Stare's the funkiest thing I've heard from Prince in a long time. And when phase one came out, I rushed out to see, you know, if that song was on it. And it was not. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I was like, well, damn. Okay, so I, I still haven't picked that one up either. I, I scanned it on iTunes. I was like, eh, cool. All right, okay. I put this on the list with the other two and stuff. Um, but fast forward a little bit. Hey, you know what? That's a you know what? That's a great choice, Mike. You know what? I'm gonna follow your lead, man. Uh, from Hit and Run Phase Two, I agree. It's one of the funkiest tracks in years, and probably one of my favorites on the album. So I'm gonna let you lead. You're you're the guest on the show. Uh, we're gonna come back with some final thoughts. Um, kind of wrapping up this whole kind of four-part uh, tribute. Uh, but uh, yeah, so here's Stare. Good job, Mike. Oh, baby. First things first. We like you to stare. To go on stage in our underwear We changed up We got a brand new beat Now we got the sound that's popping in the street They all stare Can I help you? Everybody jam Cause this body's going ham Just stare Can I help you? Ain't nobody stopping Cause we got this party popping out
And, you know, speaking of that, you know, he was, you know, he was on tour yeah. doing that special thing. And I was so looking forward to being able to get a chance to see that. Piano and microphone. Yeah. Right, right. And it was kind of, a, you know, we saw the One Night Alone yeah. uh, tour, but, you know, he had a full band and this was literally just him. Well, he did a section of that uh, with just him and the piano. Of course, yeah. right. But this, this was the entire show. Yeah. Right, right. And who else do you know that could carry a show like that, by the way? Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not even, I mean, no disrespect to Elton John or even Stevie Wonder, but I, I, I would go see Stevie Wonder with just him and a piano. Yeah. You know, well, uh, but, uh, but, you know, but he's, no one's ever tried, I guess you would yeah. say, you know. No one's the confidence to chutzpah. Right, exactly. Now, did you, did, have you, did you hear any of that? Did you see any of the videos or anything? No, I'm not. I wanted to mention something. I, I, I talked about this a little bit before, but I, I wanted to revisit just for a second was that we were talking about how, crazy the set list and how anything goes well that's even when he has a band that has you know rehearsed a couple hundred songs when it's just him <laughs> not having to give any sort of cues or whatsoever it's really you know it could it could maybe even go off the rails who knows right. probably not though right <laughs> well it, it one thing that, that i i don't want to repeat myself but i i did want to bring bring this to, to uh, back around was that at the very very last show there's a song that I've always loved. It wasn't a single. It was from the nineties. It was off the love symbol album. And it was called the max. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe it. Whenever I looked at the set list, here's the song. First of all, there was no love symbol. Tour, and he'd done a 10 o'clock show. And at the 10 o'clock show, like the second or third song there at the piano, he goes into the max. <laughs> nice. I mean, like part two. So, so you, I'll, I'll, I encourage you guys to revisit that song, but that's my final thought uh, mm. to an extent. I want you to go. I wanted you to go first, and uh, but I wanted to say something about that. But uh, but tell me some, some, some final thoughts of this part four here. Um, well, I was going to say I, I never forget the first time I heard Prince ever. I was probably in third grade, and it was on an airplane. You know, we visit relatives on in every summer vacation, or like sure, that. Sure. And this is you know listening to the headset in the uh, arm of the, of the chair. Yeah, right, right. And back then, I, I don't know if it's the same anymore, but they had like maybe ten songs on a playlist, and they'd repeat it and stuff like that. And Delirious was on there. I didn't know who Prince was yet. I was only in maybe second and third grade at the time. But, uh, you know, Delirious has that kind of weird keyboard sound to it that yeah. the kid would find interesting. Yeah. Honestly, like as an adult now, it, it, it's only slightly more musical than Twisting a Balloon Animal. You know, it has that really yeah. squeaky well, kind of... Yeah. So as a kid, I loved it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, whatever. This, like, I... Uh, you can't see it uh, right now, but well, the funny thing is, like, I, mean, I it's it's weird because when they said it, they, they were he'd been cremated. I'm like, well, damn, now there's no chance of this. That's being, exactly what, <laughs> you know I, what I mean. I, I, like, I know it sounds that so was the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. Well, pardon that, that was a bad kind of pun there, but that was that was the finale of it. Like, there was always a chance he might wake up before that. It's so weird you know? you're saying that because that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> it's like I kind of feel like about my own self. Like, don't cremate me. I, I, yeah, give me. Give I can me, still kick this. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but no, I'm not making a lot of it. it. It's so funny that you said it because we haven't talked about that previously, and that's how I felt. I was like, yeah. "Why did you do that? Yeah. Like, you know, like <laughs> you stupid." I don't know, but it's just like you, you know. But yeah, I know that sounds crazy, but that's how I felt. Like yeah. now, the now it really is gone. Yeah. And and I mentioned earlier, like I said, I had watched the Walker Hall of Fame, and and uh, which was of course was recorded. Uh, you know, while he was last half. Well, thank you. Uh, and I thank all of you out there, uh, all the all the, the, the emails and all the, the followers and the Twitter feeds that I've been getting have been so amazing and great and been supportive. And, and like I said, about a brotherhood, I've have been experiencing a lot of support with this. So 
Uh, again, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can follow you, Mike? Uh, well, if you want to come to my house, you can go to no. Okay. On the Twitter, it's uh, MikeDRocks74. Okay. And, of course, we're a Tricky Kid in the number two. You can find us on Facebook at uh, Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. Uh, the best way to do it, just go to iTunes, man, and just type in Tricky Kid Radio. Click the subscribe button. It's free. Uh, you can hear all four parts. Uh, most, our shows are normally one hour long. I've been doing these hour and a half. And uh, <laughs> So how long is the entire tribute? <laughs> uh, I would say, okay, so part one is two hours. Yeah. And then I think, uh, and then parts two, three, and four are 90 minutes long. Yeah, so I was about to, start, about to look at a Prince concert. Including the after Or a Bruce Springsteen one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I say. Uh, but all in all, that that's my final thought, yeah. is that uh, he, you know, he, 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 no one's supposed to be in his bedroom at Paisley Park. No one's supposed to be deciding the fate of the vault. Uh, he will forever uh, live with me. Uh, he's always lived with me. He's breathed life and, and magic and everything I've ever done. Uh, and to his family, I, I, I implore you. Uh, so far, I got to tell you, it looks like you guys are doing it right. And I appreciate that. And I just want to hope that that stays the course there when you got eight or nine people and there's a lot of money involved things can get a little mm-hmm. out of hand there uh and i just um for me i just want to thank uh him personally for uh you know as cliche as it sounds my life has been better i couldn't imagine it without his gift without his influence uh, and that's why it's hard for me because you know i couldn't listen to mountains i wouldn't let myself listen to mountains <laughs> when he was alive right. that often you know uh, and so it's kind of like, could, could, could you imagine me hearing mountains now? Mm. Well, uh, to that, I say that you're about to, because <laughs> how I wanted this, how I mentioned this and was just like very idealistic, of course, but, but at the end, but bear with me here at the end of under the cherry moon, again, when the credits are rolling, there's this life affirming thing where it's almost like the movie is starting <laughs> as compared to ending. It's ending and, and beginning yeah. all at the same time. It's kind of the idea of love ends but begins again, uh, and that's what and that's 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 my message, uh, or at least that's the message I got from him that I want to share with all of you. So again, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I can't say I won't do it, uh, another all print show, but uh, <laughs> but for all uh, but for now, uh, this has been part four to complete the final uh, decade of our special tribute to Prince, our greatest inspiration. For my co-host this week, Mike DeQuincio, I'm Roy Turner, and uh, like Prince always said, may you live to see the dawn.